In, in terms of how to quantify what that racism is, I think yeah. it starts from the fact that we're not in positions to make decisions. Okay, so then it, if we're not in position to to make decisions, then the ones that are making decisions are the ones that make the decisions that look like them. Okay, so now there is this new shift that the commissioner uh, Mansford is working towards is they're going to expand to 32 teams. Okay, so but before they do that, they have to rectify Oakland. Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals, makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close-to-home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. We're ready, we're ready, ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome back world. We, we, we at you today with another episode of Breaking Bears, the d podcast brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College. And a special shout out today to our... Uh, other sponsor, our excuse me, our silver diversity sponsor, Rise to Greatness. We are so pleased with the work that they've been doing and the support they provided. Uh, we have a special treat today, uh, and we're going to get really into some conversation with you all. Um, and we thank Rise to Greatness for putting together this event. We've got a three-part series with uh, a gang of Major League Baseball legends, and so we are going to have some conversations about how sports ties to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We're going to have a, a great conversation. I'm your co-host, Anthony Arrington. Nick Ford, and we are actually here from, uh, well, where are we at? What's we, the town? What's Bensonville? Bensonville. 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 The Bo Dome <laughs> Sports yeah. Complex here. We're nice. in the great Bo Jackson Sports Dome and having a good time. So, again, thanks to Rise of Greatness. Uh, Nick, who do we got today? Well, we're going to do something a little different today. We're actually yes. going to let them say who they are since we have so many guests. Yeah. And, and kind of get a little bit about us. I know couple of them will have to keep down a little bit, you know, a little short on their bios because they're long. Uh, but others, our entire show would be bios for these gentlemen. So um, let's go and start to my right. And Maybe where you play, history, yeah. and what you're doing today. Well, hello, world. This is Reggie Sanders. And um, so I played in the Major Leagues for 17 years, uh, mostly with Cincinnati. Uh, played for eight teams in that time. Uh, won the World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001. Uh, lost the World Series uh, in 2002. Uh, I was with San Francisco and lost the World Series. I was with St. Louis uh, in 2004. And uh, currently work for the Kansas City Royals in the front office uh, in the leadership department. And so have to foster and cultivate the next uh, generation of players on and off the field. And um, then I have uh, been married for 30 years. I have four girls, a grandson uh, as well. And uh, that's me. Good stuff. So yeah, it's funny because that would bet my brother always ties, right? Like, uh, I mean, we'll get to your ties with the home runs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you know why you won the World Series that year, right? Tell me. Whatever team he got traded from won. Oh, what? Yankees, Yankees won it. He left. I mean, Mexico. Yes, 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 yes. He left the country. Yeah. Well, he was the he was that guy. All right, my name is Demetri Young. I'm a 13-year veteran, nicknamed Demeat Hook. I played yeah. with uh, 
four different teams. I was teammates with the gentleman to my right, Brian Jordan, in St. Louis when I was a rookie. And then when I got traded after my rookie year to Cincinnati, the gentleman to my left was a teammate of mine, Reggie Sanders. And I played um, with the Detroit Tigers and finished my, up my career with the Washington Nationals. I was the third out of four people to hit uh, three opening day home runs. And I was the 2007 National League Comeback Player of the Year. And after my playing days was over, I've been on the amateur side doing stuff with MLB with the Breakthrough Series and the Hank Aaron Invitational. It started out as Elite Development Invitational. Um, been a high school um, coach and also a high school head coach. And um, I finished up that, and I just managed in the MLB Draft League this summer with the Mahoning Valley Scrappers. And currently, I'm looking for some work. So to my left, Meat Hook. Uh, no, I'm Brian Jordan. Uh, played 15 years of Major League Baseball. Started out with St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, was drafted there first round. Got a chance to take Meat Hook under my wing. We won a big playoff game because he got a hit and got to me. For that, uh, was it two one home run, three one? I don't know what it was, but yeah, played 15 years of Major League Baseball with St. Louis Cardinals, LA Dodgers, Texas Rangers, and Atlanta Braves for five years, where I retired, and then went on played three years in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, now I presently run a foundation, the Brian Jordan Foundation, providing scholarships. We've given out over a million dollars in scholarships since 1998, when uh, inception of the Brian Jordan Foundation. And now I write children's books, and I'm in the elementary school space, and that's near and dear to my heart, getting kids to read. Literacy is such a huge problem around the world, especially since COVID. And this is what I love to do, man. So write children's books, have fun, and uh, motivate kids. Mm -hmm. Hey, my name is Greg Goodwin. I'm a just grassroots organizer for uh, amateur baseball. I was a high school coach uh, at Redan High School where we had – Numerous kids drafted. I guess Brandon Phillips was most of you guys know about. But we had six guys playing in the big leagues. And from there, that's when I met Brian when I was a high school coach. And Renan, he came and did a couple of clinics for us. And then I went on to scout with the Dodgers and the Marlins uh, 18 years. That's when I met Reggie. Uh, Lon Joyce, who I worked for for 18 years, uh, signed Reggie and, and coached Reggie. And, and I've just been around baseball most of my life. What I'm most proud of is the Mentally Viable Prospect organizations we started 20 years ago when they told the lie that black kids weren't playing baseball anymore. And through scouting, I'd seen one or two on the team, you know, and all these events I went to. So we said, we'll start our own tournament. And we then the uh, success for the last 20 years in Atlanta, we got eight teams from all over the country, predominantly black kids. And uh, 500 of those kids have gone on to get college scholarships, and that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, that's awesome. really good work. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, Ernest knows what we do. Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, this is a true honor to be here. My name is Ernest Radcliffe um, from Chicago. Uh, I was drafted in 1986 by the St. Louis Cardinals. I played at Central State University. Um, I'm currently the head coach at uh, Morgan Park High School. I have a big travel baseball program to show baseball. I'm a little bit different. I also have a huge football program as well. Uh, the Southside Wolfpack and then my wife, has the Lady Wolves cheer and dance. So we are directly uh, responsible for helping thousands of young people every year uh, live their dreams. Um, 
My uncles are the legendary Ted Double Duty Radcliffe and Alec Radcliffe. Yeah, that's right. um, I have 10 children. One of them played with the Texas Rangers. I got two currently starting at Southern University in Baton Rouge. And um, pretty much the reality is every kid that plays for me, it is my direct responsibility to make sure that they go to college, get their degrees, come back, become successful young people. And um, I'm a grassroots organization without any sponsorship. <laughs> we do it all on prayer. And uh, mm-hmm. fish fries and fish fries. Fries. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and chicken, chicken dinners. You got hey. chicken dinners. Hey. 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 Ain't any TVs at home. Ten minutes, man. Nah, but it makes it work. Oh my God. No, I want to start that though. You know, when I was reading about you, yeah, I don't remember you playing that much, but I kind of do. But what I was reading about, one of the things you said you like with kids. I read a quote by one of the kids who said that. You were like a father to him. He said, uh, "He said a lot of times I think, what would Coach Ratcliffe say? How does that make you feel with the work you're doing with these young black kids that, that, that somebody would say that about you? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tremendous honor. Everybody really don't know what's going on. They say blacks don't play baseball. That's, that is not the truth. A lot, of, a lot of our young people play the game. Mm-hmm. They want to play the game. They want to be – taught they want to have discipline they want to have all of that and for that young man i know he said that we are i am a father figure to a lot of people uh me and my wife a lot of people don't know a lot of these kids don't eat some of them don't don't eat at all we've had the opportunity to make sure that we take them home we feed them make sure they go to school i mean i've stood there and made sure my players in in school do their work in order to get out of the out of the city, so my thing for baseball and uh, sports period is that I preach to them all the time. Take this uh, opportunity, take this sports, and use it as a vehicle to get a free education. Now, the thing is that in baseball they don't give full rides to college. If a guy throwing 95, 100, they gonna find the money. So, as a coach. And my responsibility, we have to make sure that all our young men have the proper academics to match with the athletics so they can go out and they won't have a, a bill and things of that nature when they graduate. And um, is it tough? It's, very, it's tough. It's very tough. And if I could add just a little bit yeah. to that, and thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, he talked about Lon Joyce, and, and growing up in South Carolina, my father um, was a steel worker. Uh, my mom and dad had me at 17 years old, so they had to quit school and um, and um, and start working because you know the family didn't have money. So they did what they had to do, and so they. Uh, my grandmother was the one that really kind of raised me, and um, as I kind of went through high school and all of that, then there was a man that came in my life as well by the name of Lon Joyce. And um, Lon Joyce was that that father figure of as well when you think of a, from a community aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentored me in a way that, you know, uh, most men did not um, because my father wasn't there even though he was there, but he was not there because he had to work. So he did his part as a, as a man and as a father, but there was this other uh, 
community aspect of it that Lon Joyce came in and really kind of molded me and developed me and challenged me to, you know, to become a young man and then to develop to, to grow even further. So I really owe a lot, not only to my mom and dad, but also those other pillars in the community that see something within me and try to bring it out. Yeah. And Lon Joyce was definitely one of those men. No doubt about it. Uh, we all do this because somebody did something for us. And so we try to give back and, and we all owe a debt of gratitude to those that came before us and we actually stand on their shoulders. But we all know that uh, this, we're not going to solve the problem today about blacks in baseball, but we also understand that because, like Ernest said, because lack of scholarships, NCAA could give more scholarships to baseball than 11.7 scholarships, you know, but we're not ever going to tell our kids, turn down a football scholarship or basketball at 100% and go take this 30% to play baseball. We'll never do that yeah. because it's about economics and uh, we understand that and again, but we love baseball, so we like to get our kids involved yeah. in baseball. So is baseball think, like like swimming? My kids all swam. They share scholarships, basically. Yeah, no doubt. Players yeah. share them. Yeah. I mean, every team got thirty five kids. Yeah, eleven point seven scholarship. That's at the D one schools. Yeah, small schools don't have it. Have less. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So this is. So I got a lot of kids. Pretty much when I send my kids to college, right? So I went up because it's on my mind. I just want to say this, and what I've been telling the coaches because the coaches. They have to keep their APR ratings up to graduate. Mm -hmm. So there's a kid on the bench that sits on the bench, but his grades are outstanding, but he loves the game. So I've asked certain HBCUs to listen. In order for us to kind of flip the script, it says no black coaches. That's in college. There's no black coaches in the minors. I've asked the coaches, I'm going to send you this kid. I'm going to send you my best player. But – I want you to take this young man. His grades are going to take care of his financials, but can you put him on the team and start him to become a coach because he loves the game? That's awesome. I got three schools that are doing that right now, and I got another kid that I'm trying to get. Because I tell all the guys, man, okay, you ain't going to play in the big leagues, but you could be a bullpen catcher. So I got a kid that's at the University of Miami. He went and tried out to become a bullpen catcher. I know he can't play at Miami, but his grades say he can go to Miami and major in engineering down there. Right. So he's a bullpen catcher now, uh, trying to be a bullpen catcher in Miami. So there are all different kind of ways to make sure that these young men yeah. stay in the game. involved in the game. It's just that we have to tell them how to do it to stay in the game. Right. So yeah, right. you know what the, the crazy thing is? Uh, you remember when the first RBI program was brought to Compton, mm -hmm. California? Well, I was one of the first broadcasters, really, to go in because, you know, it was Southern and Bethune-Cookman playing against uh, U UCLA and USC. And, you know, being a black player, I was so excited to see this happen. So I get out to California and I go visit with Sutherland and Bethune-Cookman. And when I tell you it was eye-opening for me because I'm thinking I'm going to see a bunch of black ball players on the field of Sutherland and Bethune-Cookman. Well, I might have seen one on each team because it was full of Latins and, and white Americans. And it was like, where's the HBCU coming from? But it, it just goes back to how our kids don't have the exposure to even – they're being overseen 
in black colleges. Why, why do you why, why do you think that is, Dimitri? Any, why why? So it's I mean, you all are, you you create solutions, it, but why do you think that is? Well, we we talk about the finances, you know, right? That's that's one part of it, and exposure for our African American mm -hmm. ball players. I mean, we're in the communities trying to make a difference, but. At the end of the day, it's about the academics. It's about well-rounded players to have these opportunities. And, you know, it's we're fighting against parents. We're fighting against a lot. But we're fighting against the finances, keeping kids economics. involved. Mm -hmm. economics. economics at the end of the day because it's a shame. You're going to bring HBCU schools to play you know, represent this RBI program, I and mean, you don't have any black players out there. Yeah, it was, yeah that's it was amazing Atlanta. to that's me. That's Atlanta and, and Morehouse is there. They have two scholarships. Clark has one scholarship. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I can't tell these kids to go to that school and pay $50,000 and come out right. $250,000 in debt. In debt. Yeah. To so, play the sport. I mean, that's yeah. part of the problem. So one thing I heard that I'm really intrigued by is you talk about with the coaches, right? Because when you look at pro sports in general, right, what do most of the coaches look like? They look like me. Right. Right? And even though some leagues have done like a Rooney rule, which – hasn't really seen to produce anything. Yeah, why is that crap. still such a why is that still such an uphill battle? I mean, I, like I said, I love that you're starting that process, but it seems like we're so far behind on that. Well, How do the, we accelerate that? Well, the thing the thing is, it starts you know in the little league, and I've been in the, in the amateur space with the breakthrough series, and you know getting eyeballs on the young black players where they're actually you know going to perfect game events with the breakthrough series teams and stuff like that, and it's a, it's a great start with what we're doing with it. But, like you said, to get to that next level, you know, you got to have the HBCU factor where you get the black players because, one, they're not really getting in the D1. If they do, they're going to be a pinch runner or an outfielder. They're not going to play their true position. So it lies in former players and, and guys of color being in position of power in order for that change to be made. Like you were saying – there are a lot of white coaches, so they're gonna bring everybody brings in their own. So if we're able to, which, which you can ours, go can and, and look at what the NBA is doing, you know, you got a lot of black basketball players. Now you got a lot of black executives in that world. So you talk about creating opportunities. That's creating opportunities for these black head coaches in the NBA, broadcasters. So it starts at the top. I mean, Major League Baseball is in control, right? And if if they really want to step in and make a difference, they could. They have the finances to do it. You know, we know someone looking for a job. And no, I mean, and, and even I look at the RBI program. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah. You know, they go in, they put a here. stamp. That's what we do here. They put a stamp on it and they walk away. Right. Why not bring in the black major league base former players to run these RBI programs to see them through? Yeah. You know, people of color. No, they put their stamp on it, they walk away, and then the programs go downhill because they don't have the finances to sustain it. To your point, Brian, I mean, it's not a surprise that we have so many Latin American players in Major League Baseball. There have been academies over in Dominican Republic since the 60s. They invest in a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Every Major League club has a program yep. over there. They sign with 15, and 18 the best ones come over here. And they did that in the urban areas in the United States. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. There'd be more black Americans. So, so I mean, this is definitely. we're not the answer in this room. Yeah. Like, it starts right. at the top. Look, right. We can be honest about that. Well, so, I mean, I'm going to be honest about it because I'm not looking for a job. I'm 66. Yeah. I'm not going to need another job. <laughs> Well, so, let's, so here's my question, right? So I, I, here's where I really want to go. So we acknowledge that it could be done. Yes. 
Oh, it could be. Is there racism in baseball? Come no on. doubt. Come on. There's racism in every segment of Okay. I mean, no it's doubt about it. But, but, I, but, I, but I think, the, I, I think in, in, in terms of how to quantify what that racism is, I yeah. think it starts from the fact that we're not in positions to make decisions. Okay, so then it, if we're not in position to to make decisions, then the ones that are making decisions are the ones that make the decisions that look like them. Okay, so now there is this new shift that the commissioner uh, Mansford is working towards is they're going to expand to 32 teams. Okay, so but before they do that, they have to rectify Oakland. Uh, either move Oakland to Las Vegas or stay within it, within Oakland, but it looks like they're going to Las Vegas. And then they finalize Tampa. Tampa's going to stay in the same region. Right. So they're going, okay. And then then once they rectify those two entities, then they'll fast forward to the expansion portal of that. Mm -hmm. Nashville being the, the, the number one spot. Right. So uh, the reason why I'm sharing this part of it is that, um, so I'm working with Dave Stewart uh, and our black-led uh, ownership group uh, to yeah, to spearhead uh, the Nashville part of that. The whole reason for us even getting into the sector and the ability to, to pull this group together is because we're not in decision-making decisions. Mm -hmm. And so in order for us to really make effective change, we have to be in decision-making decisions. Yeah. And so I think that that will start the process right. of what we need to do to move forward, to kind of galvanize our communities around so they can see us in those types of right. boardrooms, et cetera, et cetera. And then it begins to create this what we're talking about, right? So that so, is one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's not the puzzle. Say, yeah. right. yeah. It is right. one piece say, of the you, puzzle. You're still just one thirty second. second. Yeah. And making decisions right. that's going to impact right. everybody. So they still maintain control. But it is a good thing to see right. that hopefully. You know, this is just a first step of going in that direction. Right. I think it's important so what, that that happens. Too. So what about the Black Players Alliance? How is that taking a role in that, you know, with, with stuff? Again, if you're not making executive decisions and, and you bring this alliance in there, who has to get the approval from Major League Baseball? Major League Baseball. What, you're still what, stuck what, in the same spot. You're still right. stuck in the yep. same spot. Yeah. You so know? Let's, so let's talk about That's that. reality. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons we're all here is we're, we're here for the great rise to greatness, you know. And if we're being honest, that's led by – a wealthy white man who brought all of y'all brothers in here to help do this work. So tell me about, so what I believe is there, are there opportunity? how do we leverage, right? If, if we're not at the table, how do I leverage Nick? Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to me about how Rise to Greatness, why you all are doing this work and how are they infiltrating, for lack of a better term, the, the major league, the people at the table? Well, they, I can't speak from a major league perspective. I can speak from a grassroots perspective. Uh, Jennifer and Jerry know the people that's been doing the work away from Major League Baseball. We've been on the ground getting people involved. They in tell us about that, yeah. For years. And uh, before the Breakthrough Series, there was only MVP, the organization we started in Atlanta. Breakthrough Series started from MVP. Uh, and we're glad it, it, it happened. We're not in competition with anybody. Right. We want more help. We right. seek more help. We want all of our kids to be exposed to this. Right. So this is a great start, but again, it's going to take a lot more than us at this table to get it done. Mm -hmm. And Reggie, I'm glad you said something about the stars. We need you to bring Tennessee State baseball back. Yeah, when you got, get that's that. another conversation we can Tennessee have. Tennessee State, and we hadn't had a program since 93. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's another problem with HBCU. All of them don't have baseball that's anymore. That's right. That's right. Well, or Division One college in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So to to enhance baseball, somebody made a comment, uh, one of my coaches, they said, man, this dome is incredible. So if this dome and 
like from our organization, just from our organization, we have to have a place to practice. Mm -hmm. So for us to go practice at a facility, I got six levels. Just think about this. If I take my 11 year practice for two hours, it's $200 an hour. Then I take my 13th, then I take my 15th, then I take my 16th, my 17th, my 18th. That's all in one day. So that's very expensive. And we practice, we go from winter workouts from November to February. And uh, that's where a grassroots program like myself would need sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Take this building, put it in the inner city of Chicago. All, more people will play African-Americans will come in and, and try and play baseball, get taught baseball. But what it's going to do is put everybody under one un, un, one building. Mm -hmm. Now we get to the real grassroots of stopping violence so our young people can go to practice and walk down the street and do that. Right. So yeah. that, that, that's a so, key component that, to that. Yeah, and that's, and that's mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier. I mean... Major League Baseball stepped in and put all these camps and academies over in Dominican Republic. If we had it at inner cities here in the United States, right. it would be a different story. Right. Different story. So I'm curious. Goody had a, I'm quite sure if he had an indoor facility, yeah. more, more ball players, more kids going to college right. in Chicago. More. Right. I, I'm, I'm curious, more. has any of you all that have access to the commissioner, if you sat down and just had a cup of coffee with him, has anybody literally ever sat across the table and said? I don't said, think that's a conversation they really want to have. I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Has anybody really ever just just said, "Hey, Commissioner, do you realize you're sending people? Why are you doing that in the Dominican Republic? Why don't you do it?" I mean, here? It's, well, it's he didn't known. start that though. No, I'm, I'm not saying him. Yeah, that was way for him. He's in the position now to make a change. They're doing more now than they've ever done. Correct. They are. I belong to the Buck O'Neill Scouts Association. You know, since I was scouting, and he meets the commissioner meets with them annually. And there's a, they have a diversity program in the Major League Baseball. We've never had that. We got folks that's going in scouting and marketing, on field maintenance, umpiring, all through the commissioner's office with minor, minority people. Right. We've never had that before. So we're moving in the right direction. But, again, it's going to take a minute to get there. Yeah, yeah. And we have um, the Urban Youth Academies in eight to ten different spots in the U.S., Compton, Kansas City, um, Houston, um, New Orleans, Cincinnati. one in, in, in D.C., yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. And as good as those are, they should they should have more involvement with and in the community. Right. You know, just like in the Dominican, you know, they have they have school in there. They have teaching the them how to. Around yeah, they, 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 they have everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I heard one of you say that you know a lot of times in the historically what the Major League Baseball has done is a fire and forget them. Like, like, like uh, I think well, the one you mentioned earlier, they come in. It's great, RBI. and then yeah. they're gone. RBI, RBI and then they're gone. Program. Yeah. And I know, yeah. and I know from talking to my to my dad and sister that that was one of the things when they started Rise to Greatness is they were adamant that when they come into a community they don't just abandon it. Okay. And how are we getting to that point now where Major League Baseball comes along that ride too, where it's like we don't just like they're making some great strides. They got a diversity inclusion program. How? Like for us, what we believe in is that diversity inclusion is great, but if people feel like they belong, that stuff will follow. So how's the sense of belonging? Like, where, where what are they doing for the sense of belonging for A, current players, B, former players, or, or staff? I mean, I include all baseball. Or the young kids. I mean, we're still hearing examples of young kids that are black going to play and being racially taunted. So how do we get to that step where, where we get past that? 
Because if you don't feel like you belong playing baseball, I don't care how good you are, you're not going to want to keep playing. Yeah, I mean, we there's plenty of examples of that. You know, talented black players have to play in these travel leagues to get exposure. So you're playing with these white kids, and you, you're probably the only one representing African-American on that team. And I know I don't want to throw out a couple names, but I know of a couple kids that are really talented black players that deal with that. And I even called one and talked to him about it, things that I went through in college that I had to deal with being the only black on my baseball team in college, you know, go to certain places and, you know, they got ropes hanging out there yelling the N-word, calling me names. But I was one that learned my history of Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson to where I had a calmer head. I beat him with the bat instead of with my mouth. And, you know, some kids can't do that. But I was was able to do that. And for me, I get to share my story with some of those kids who are in the same situation. It's a shame that our talented black players got to play with white players uh, to get that exposure, man. You know, we got to go out and raise the money to give them that opportunity. So here lies that opportunity for Major League Baseball or or individuals with power, platform, and privilege to create opportunities to – Teach kids how to be culturally competent. When you're building those programs and you know that people that look like you are going into predominantly white communities, what are the leagues and the teams doing to prepare those communities or those organizations for the type of people that they're getting yeah, from sorry, wherever, let, right? Let me, and let that's, me, that's important, too. Yeah, right? so your, to your first part of your question um, about the Ford family and the reason why I, I think we all we can agree to yeah. why we do this, um, uh, the, the thing about... Uh, Mr. Ford is that he actually goes into the black areas and be with the people, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not just in his boardroom or in his office or in his home, you know, delegating. Yeah. He's actually on the ground in the community and getting the feel for them and what their needs are. Right. And then he goes back to his boardroom and figure out how can he help to kind of bring this together with right. his family. His heart is in the right place. Right, right. And so that's why we were right. able to do it. Right and this here. is a guy who started Perfect Game, you know, a for-profit, you know, situation for baseball players. And he's sitting back watching this over the years after years after years to the point where he said, I got to make a real difference. Yeah. And to start the program Rise to Greatness says a lot about him. Yeah. And he's been around for long. He's seen it all. Hey, he's not and that he's, old. <laughs> and he's seen he's seen the problems every single day. Right. Important thing with that, you, you mentioned Jerry being in the trenches in the proximity. This is an important thing, and I would say this major league, I hope you're listening to folks from Power and Privilege. There are uh there are men of power, white men that have privilege and they just write checks, like you said, and they right. just go. Jerry's there are also there's also the conversation about uh, white men or white people who who hang around black people or going to black communities is just to to feel good about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Jerry appears. Jerry's not that guy. So Jerry's doing that to educate himself, but he's taking action. That's different, right? Mm-hmm. Some people just do this to say they did it, right? I have black friends, or I went to the black neighborhood. No, no, Jerry. It, to the danger of his wife. My mom would be okay. Like, he, he humbles himself, you know, and I, I think I think leveraging the Jerry's will continue as you all yes. are doing that, leveraging yes. the Jerry's because they got the seat of the table that we don't have, maybe that mm-hmm. so and you understand we are at this table, but there's somebody 
in every community that's doing, he's done so much yes. in the Atlanta with Marquise Grissom and Chip Lawrence in Florida, but it's somebody in every community trying to do something. That's yeah. right. And if we can get together and, and, and band together, we can be more powerful because we got pockets of people doing little stuff, you know. I want to change the gears real quick. Um, man, the, 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 the stuff that you've done, you, medical and physical therapy and went to school, my, and you're talking about uh, getting the kids ready outside of baseball, and you mentioned the kid may not be able to play, but the grades are good, yeah. and maybe they can be on the, the practice squad the game. and get into yeah. coaching. Talk to me about how that's impacted the kids that you've worked with, because I, I sense this is more than just about can you throw a ball. Oh, Y'all trying no, to build them in. You know, for so, me, for me um, it's, been, it's, it's been the amateur side for me, watching these kids grow and being a person of influence for these young young people is is giving them a blueprint of what their future is whether they listen to me or not i'm able to give them the information about how to conduct themselves how to become a professional right and and being in that space you know that's what i that's what i personally love i like to see the growth in, in a person so when they become adults and and they're good doing good things i, I felt that i'm doing my job as a a human being mm -hmm. to help pass that on. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, right. Asian. Yeah. It's about yeah. leaving the place better than when, where you got it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I'll speak just from the seat that I sit in with the Kansas City Royals. Um, working for them for the last seven years, um, uh, my primary uh, role um, at the time, you know Dayton Moore, yes. uh, who's a man of character and uh, was a general manager at the time. And, um, and so uh, he said, hey, Reg, you know, I want you to come back and work in our organization. I'm trying to do some neat things within our organization. I want you to be a part of it. I said, well, what you got? He said, listen, he said, uh, out of the 100%, 10% of those players will be taken care of. They'll go to the big leagues, they'll you know, do whatever they need to do, stay a year, stay whatever. But what about the 90% of players that don't make it, that you never, you never hear about them anymore? Right. What type of culture, what type of uh, development is in place for these individuals to move forward? And so that I was like, aha. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, we uh, with with the with the whole group, we all came to the table to figure out how can we develop the whole person, um, and everything was basically uh, uh, built on biblical principles, which is very rare with inside of a major league organization. Yes, it is. By, 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 the corporation. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, whole another show uh, on that. Yeah, that's yeah. another whole show. But, um, but 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 that was our foundation. OK. And um, and so we all were in agreement with that. And then we just came to the table to figure out how can we uh, focus on all the four elements uh, of the of the whole individual. And um, I'll say to the day to this day uh, for the for the six years we we put into practice, we develop these individuals mentally, uh, physically, spiritually um, and, and uh, socially as well. And in that in that space, um, once they have developed, they realize they can't uh, play baseball anymore. We have to let them go or they have to go to another organization, but they always want to come back and work inside the organization mm. because of the culture that we built. Right. And so within that culture, we have retained um, over 40% 
of the players that have played in that organization, they come back and work in, in some capacity of their education within our organization. See, what I hear is if you build the culture, yeah. right? So the data will take care mm -hmm, of itself. Mm -hmm. on the back so that reminds me, I remember when, when Ben first came in the league and with the Yankees, and they did a pretty good job, like financial literacy, a little bit of you know, some of that. Why, though, because that's a great program, why isn't 31, soon to be 32 teams doing that? I, I, that's what I don't get. It's like, why can't Major League Baseball yes. as a whole say, why aren't we doing that? That's not something they care about. They don't care about the player that goes on in his second life. They care about that player that's going to be playing for them and making, making money, money. Right. over those next 10 to 15 years. Lucky if you get 10 years in. That's what they care about, which is a shame, but, you know, reality. It's, it's, reality it's reality of it, man. Mm -hmm. And, you mm -hmm. know, they're not going to spend any extra money to, to help, you know, somebody's future. You know, when they feel like I'm totally on the other side because I never played professional baseball. My thing has always been education, mm -hmm. and 90% of these folks are going to be professional in something other than yeah. athletics. Yeah. So I mean, I, after I quit coaching, I went in. You know, I finished all 30 years at one high school at Redan High School, but it's always been about education because we know education you can't lose. You know, you're right. going to be professional in something. So we, we've always stressed that, and, and like uh, uh, Brother Radcliffe said. With baseball scholarships, you got to have some academics to, to, to piece that money yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we preach education. Yeah. Much as you practice and, and hard as you work, you got to do the same thing. You got to go to the library. got to open a book. Yeah. You know, so. so and that's but, that's but the also, part about what I do right now. I mean, yeah, outside literacy. of the game of baseball, literacy is such a passion of mine. I write children's books, and I'm in elementary schools every day, first grade, second grade. I start out early because – if they're not reading my third grade, right. or over sixty-some yeah, percent in, yeah. the, in the juvenile system, right. so my passion is that way, and I get to share my story about education, how important it is. Right. So look, I had scholarships all over the place, but my mom, I was gonna get my degree wherever I went. Yeah. I mean, I I was offered out of high school first round money, but she made sure I was gonna get my education. So what do I do now? That's what I stress to young kids. Yeah. Education first. I don't care how good you are as a player. If you get your academics, man, the sky is the limit. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether it's baseball you're making in, that education is going to take you even further, yeah. you know. So, I never thought I'd be a broadcaster after freaking baseball. <laughs> man. So, I'm like, so because of my education, man. So, so I got to ask. Uh, so uh, uh, October 1st through 7th was banned book weeks. Did your books get banned? No, I just did, no. Not. It did not get banned. No. So that's a whole other show, too, man. Make sure your books are So I wish, I wish Joy had 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 been. She's fighting through traffic, but um, one of the big things she talks about with with her programs is generational wealth in the black community. So, in in sports, right? So you know, obviously, I know there's a lot of players still that make all their money, and then by the five years after they're done, they're broke. But how does how do we translate that into generational wealth too? where, you know, you came from where you came from, you're not there anymore. How do we propel that and get these young kids to see that, that this is a way to create that generational wealth as well, and, and that if it's not by playing, it's by coaching or by doing whatever in education or, or getting there. 
and to give them that education to get them there. Yeah, I think when I came in as in the 90s, um, it was all about cars, girls, clothes. I mean, you I name see, that's it. Came in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. You name it. Yeah. That's that's what the focus was. That's what the conversations were all about around the table, that kind of thing. I think it shifted into an, a shift into another direction of the 21st century in terms of what these individuals are talking about around the table or in the clubhouse, on the bus, on the plane. And so they're talking about financial literacy, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, right, those types of things. We actually have programs. The majority of uh, Major League Baseball teams, they have uh, financial literacy yeah, programs, yeah, yeah. Yep. you know. Even their agents, you know, they do the financial literacy as well. As well. Um, it's whether the player wants to, you know, you know. Wants to embrace take that. Adva- take advantage of that yeah. as well. But my point is, is that the, com- this, the conversation that you're talking about has shifted to another direction. Okay. And now, and most of these individuals also, they have businesses that they've already created as well. So like LLCs the side, and stuff. LLCs, nonprofits, I mean, you name it. Um, so so they, they are way ahead of the cusp more than but not ever enough, before. though. Not, right. not, not enough. enough. You know, and I'm speaking, not just, I'm speaking of all sports, really. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, because I look at NFL. You know, they have that one big symposium where you scare the heck out of the players and tell them your hard stories mm-hmm. and, you know, your hard financial stories, but you only do it one time. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you hand them a crap crazy load of money, money, crazy mm-hmm. money. and expect yeah. them They're to remember room. that one mm-hmm. session. Yeah. So, Major League Baseball, NFL, hockey, all of them can have programs implemented right. to where if you're going to get this salary, this is what you got to do. Or yeah. at least listen to the right ways to handle your money and have yeah. a follow through, man. Make it mandatory for these players to really learn right. how to spend their money. Because a lot of these kids come up from nothing and now you're the millionaires and you think they're going to know how to right. educate themselves on spending money. Right. It's not going to happen. Yep. So here, here, and it, great point. And and the and the thing is, it's education. It's 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 an and, right? Because you come from a generation where girls, cars, and so you made it through, right? And so you got young kids. I imagine telling you, "What you telling me for? You you did all that." It, it's a. So my my final question to you all is, you're not being able to to uh, get Major League Baseball to help you recruit black kids or recruit more kids of color. What is your favorite way to acquire talent to your programs or the work that you do? How do you attract the talent? Great question. If, I like that question. If you're not getting the help, what, what's, your, what's your favorite thing to do? So for the show baseball program, social media. Social media. A lot of social media. Um, all our guys, when we travel, and we put it on social media, we have, try to have the best uniforms, all the gear. Um, the biggest thing is that we have a signing day wife is directly responsible for mm-hmm. and we have every news station there so and then we have all our players from little league football and everything and we have all our guys on the football field it's all on uh, the internet and we have a huge signing day cpd police and everything and we put that on social media social and media. everybody wants to be a part of yeah. signing day so we have to do things to catch their attention. Mm-hmm. And um, but, 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 to that. but to correct you, uh, Major League Baseball is doing something about it now. Tony Reagans is doing a lot. He is doing a lot. Uh, yeah. And Dale Matthews, their staff, is doing a lot. And they reach out to us because they know we're on the grassroots and we know how to find players. Right. That's what we've been doing anyway. Right. And so we, we work uh, jointly with them. 
and the kids that are good enough will go to the uh, the breakthrough series and the summer series that they do. They do a three week series now. Yeah, you know so. Those that aren't, we know they're still Radcliffe and I. We'll take those kids and try to develop to get them there. But yeah. we're, we're getting way more help than we've ever gotten before. So and shout we're out moving to Major League Baseball. I know we, you know, we, we. I mean, with all the respect, you give credit and, you, right. and you hold people yeah. accountable, and so yeah. Yeah. we're holding them accountable. But yeah. if they're doing some work, we got to give that's them credit. Right. We're behind. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. no question. Yeah. So appreciate that. I mean, Anything gonna, else to add? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be behind until we're in front. Yeah. And and long as everybody stays on course, because you know sometimes people want to go veer right and veer left right and i was involved with the breakthrough series and hank aaron invitational up to this year right. due to managing in the, in the draft league but every year and it's a testament to all the coaches that the former players because right. we're we're in the trenches with them every single morning right. teaching them early work with lenny webster and charles johnson doing the catching right and then you have pat um pat mahomes and and uh, Marvin Freeman doing the pitching, and then you have myself and and guys like Papa Jack, Ron Jackson doing hitting, and we're we're a family in there because right. it, it ain't about you know the paycheck. It's about getting these kids the education, give them the nuggets that we can give them that week or two weeks that we're around them, showing them a different way of how to approach approach the game because their perception on what it takes to be a big leaguer. And then having a big leaguer tell you, you know, that's their new reality. And then when they get back to wherever they're going to, you know, they have to deal with that. But during those two weeks, they, they, they're like, oh, we got coaches that look like us. They talk like us. We're playing right. music. Jerry Manuel's, you know, he's leading that ship every day. He got play with it and yeah. and all that good stuff. And, yeah. and, and we had Lou Collier out there just – just absolutely, yeah. Building I mean, relationships. It's just so much fun, and and I and I just saw Cam call your um at Reds um instructional league, and I remember him at 12 years old when Lou brought him. Twelve years kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are many more kids that are in the in the system that's playing. You know, either in the minor leagues or in the big leagues, or some guys that are still in college. And they but bring some good speakers down there to speak. Oh yeah, you know, Junior comes down there. When, you when you got to say my name, man. Yeah. Oh, you, Brian Dang, I came it. down there. Uh, Brian Jordan went down yeah. there. And when I tell you, look, <laughs> hey, hey, you're a football player now. <laughs> and when I tell you, they do a wonderful job down there because one. It was hot as I don't know what down in Beach, man. And I came down there and spoke that one day, and I looked at the fellas and said, God bless y'all, man. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's an awesome, awesome thing to see. No. And a lot of those players, like you said, man, they develop and go on right. to play Major League Baseball. So well, we talk a lot about, awesome. you know, uh, in our world, we deal with a lot of businesses, and sports is a business. Yes, we talk about right. something that you just said that I think is important as we wrap this up is that, uh, kids need to see people who look like them. And so this is my plea to Major League Baseball. We have to, we tell companies you have to be intentional about this. Yeah. And there's no reason not for and you just said it, not for economics, that you're don't have that you're not employed by Major League Baseball right now. Like that's just a fact. Why is that? And so my plea is hire Dimitri, not because of the money, but because of the knowledge and the education. <laughs> I echo that. Because there's yeah. plenty of folks out here. Um, that do this work, and so I appreciate all that. Otherwise, you, all you might be sleeping on one of our couches. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? Us off. We, if, if we're gonna go to that, go there. We're losing jobs in Major League Baseball because of the Harvard kids and analytics. I mean, when you're starting to put those guys on a field and remove former players, yes. to me, that's not a good trend. No. 
but that's what's happening in this new game of baseball. So, to me, it gets harder. It, it, it gets harder. So we have to figure out, not we, but just people that were in this work have to figure right. out how, how, what's the like, what's the balance? What's the balance? Yeah. Right. What are the rules for the game? You so know, to speak? one more one more thing about um, the coaches and stuff. We gotta find a way to learn the analytics because that's what that's what they're hiring. They're right. hiring. Right. That's what the game right. is. And that's what yeah. it is. Well, you gotta be open to learning them. You know, I, I know from experience talking to a couple former coaches who wasn't open to changing. You know, you have to have an open mind. Yeah, you're a dinosaur. If we want to make the change, yeah. you know, yeah. and have these opportunities. Right. Yeah. Someone, a mentor, told me if you don't get to make the rules for the game, at least get the rule book. Mm. And then play to win. Learn. Right, right. Mm. right. Then when you're right. at the table, you can change the rules. Yes. I like that. Yes. It's not going backwards. Yeah. Learn, no. what, they, learn no. what they know. Well, yeah. thank you all so much. Thank Appreciate you. your time. We want to give a, a shout out to our five star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, and our wonderful, wonderful silver sponsor, Rise to Greatness, and the opportunity that they gave us to talk to you, legends. Um, appreciate your time. Hopefully we can share this to the world. Um, anything else you would like to add, Nick? No, it's just it's always great seeing you all. So um, usually I try to avoid these clinics and things, but <laughs> as the, as the, uh, the uh, non-baseball player member of my family. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's great having this talk with you, and, and I appreciate your, your openness and candor and, and topics that aren't always easy for people outside of this world, but it needs to be had. So. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank you, Thanks, 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 absolutely. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino, too few people willing to take that fall.